Okay, I think we're good to go. So, welcome everybody. Um, I recognise quite a few of you um, and uh, lots of new faces, which is always good to see. I think we might need to turn this down just a fraction. Yeah. You might not want to hear me that much. Um, we've got various mics on. You'll notice the cameras. We are doing a full recording of this this evening, so please don't be shy. Up a little bit. On two, testing. Yeah, okay. So, um, this will be recorded and we will be putting the edited video out for people that couldn't attend. We had quite a few people that were uh, either due here and unfortunately couldn't make it um, or um, weren't able to make it full stop, so they want to see, to see the video. So, hopefully, they'll uh, watch that when they need to get to sleep. I, uh, my name is Glenn. Um, I'm going to be one of the speakers later on, but I won't bore you with that just yet. First of all, we have to do a little bit of housekeeping, so I need to talk to you about fire regulations and if there is a fire. So we aren't scheduled for any fire alarms, so we shouldn't hear it, but if we do, the, there's the two doors there. You go out, down the stairs the way you came in, cross back towards reception, then to the left, and where there's, I think there's a bike rack is where the uh, places for the assembly point. Okay, so that's that little bit done. Okay, so we have four speakers tonight. Um, some of you that have been before will already know us, but we've got Colin, who's over there. He's going to be the first one on this evening. Colin is from um, Sycamore Energy Assessors and uh, he's going to be having a chat with us about latest regulations regarding that which affects all of you guys um, obviously that are landlords or budding landlords. We have Ted Guerrera who's uh, from Tax Assist, he's going to be talking to you about some of the tax changes and how it affects you. We've got Luke Sinclair who I'm sure no, <laughs> doesn't need any um, uh, announcement really but um, he's the director of Knightsbridge, or one of the directors of Knightsbridge, also the author of Leicester Property Blog. Um, and when I introduce him again in a little while, I'll explain a little bit more about what he does. And then there's myself, who's basically, I've been in the industry for over 30 years, um, quite passionate about it. So I'll be talking later on about um, HMOs and how to get the most out of your money. Okay? Would help if I press that button, I suppose. So, around the room, you've got lots of people that, again, you will need at some point during your time as an investor. We've got Edward Hans and Lewis. Uh, they are conveyancers. We, we use them a lot, you know, and uh, I can say that these guys are from Syston. We've got Rebecca and Hannah here. Um, they're from Syston and they are very, very on the ball, very switched on. I know some of you actually use them here already. We've got three of our guys from the Mortgage Advice Bureau. So at Knightsbridge, we don't have our own in-house mortgage advisors as such, but we do have the Mortgage Advice Bureau that are based in our offices. Now, they have over 90 lenders. Welcome. Um, they have over 90 lenders and uh, some ridiculous amount, like 11,000 products which they can offer. So they're here to talk to you if you want to have a, after, especially when I've done my little bit, if you want to ask about buy-to-let mortgages and things like that, those guys are on hand to help you. Okay? 
We've got Sycamore Energy, who we've spoken about already. We've got Richard Walton and Greg here. They're our, one of our contractors, uh, general builders. Can we say that, Richard? Is that okay? Yeah, general builders, jolly good. Ted from Tax Assist. Midland Boiler Care, we've got Dave. He's hiding over there somewhere. He'll be there to answer any questions you've got about uh, heating, boilers, that kind of thing. Um, professional House Surveys, we've got John and Kelly at the back there. For those that don't know Professional House Surveys, they've been around a long time. They're now based in Queen's Road. Um, and uh, again, very well known in the industry and amongst you guys, I'm sure. We've got a new person here, where's Chris? Oh, he's sitting down there hiding. It's a good job he's sitting down, he's very tall. Um, Chris is from uh, Leicester Chimney and Stoves. I, I invited him along because you know these are all services which you may need to use so I thought it was good to to get some new blood in here as well and we've got Rashid from Howden's Kitchens who's on hand if you've got any questions or you just want to get him along to uh, price up for you so that's that's the people around the room and they're, they're here for the entirety so when we've finished doing our talking you can go and mingle with them and, and have a chat and I'm sure swap numbers and they'll be more than happy to chat to you outside of the event so without further ado we have Colin Smithson Connolly, I never call him Colin, from Sycamore Energy Assessors. Hello, um, so they've asked me to come and talk about the new minimum energy efficiency standards. Um, I'm going to start with energy assessments because that is core to it. I started doing energy assessments in 2007. I'm sure many people in here will remember the home information packs. They were part of that, but they were also separate. It's a European directive. Don't get excited. They're not going to go when we leave Europe, if we leave Europe, because they're so enshrined in UK law now, they're here to stay. Um, an energy rating on a property uh, is designed to give... Originally came in for sales for the buyer to get information a new person moving into property is more likely to make energy improvements or any improvements. So the idea was, oh, it's not got cavity wall insulation, it's not got loft insulation, and telling them. But also, it also gave them an idea of what they would save by doing it. So, for instance, when a boiler is not a condensing boiler in a gas house, it always recommends installing a, a new condensing <coughs> boiler. But you might only save £60 a year by doing that. So, therefore, you've got the information to say, yes, we would save money, but we won't save a lot. So it gives you the information to decide whether to do it. Now, I think in the time I've been doing it, I've done over 15,000 EPCs in the last 11 years. That ranges from one-bedroom flats in, in Leicester to an apartment at um, Beaver on the Hill, uh, Oakham. That was £5,000 a month to rent. So that was a, a pretty amazing place to do. And the way that we do it is exactly the same in every property. That's the idea of energy assessments, whether it's me in Leicester or somebody in Newcastle or Bristol. We all assess it in the same way with the, with the same methods so that it, it's the same anywhere. Um, they're valid for 10 years, uh, which from your point of view is probably great. From my point of view, from a common sense, what's the point of an EPC from 10 years ago if somebody's maybe built a three-bed extension on it or made major improvements and they are looking to change that so that might change in the future that if there's major changes to the property the requirement for a new EPC will, will be changed. So where we come into the minimum energy regulations, um, 
Are you flicking slides on? Yep. yep. So important dates. So the minimum energy efficiency um, means that you cannot rent a property that's F and G rated um, with a maximum fine of up to £5,000. So from April 2018, for new tenancies, you cannot rent an F and G rated property. In 2020, any existing tenancy which has got a valid EPC also has to be a minimum of an E rating. April 2025, it goes up to a D rating, which for many properties is going to be quite difficult. Sometimes getting to an E is very difficult, getting to a D is going to be even more difficult. Um, they are now proposing that in 2023, the D rating will be for any new tenancies. So the same as they've done with the E, there's a two-year lead on to it being all of them. And then 2030, it's proposed, oh, do we not have that one on it? 2030, it's proposed to be a C rating, which technically is going to be very, very difficult for many properties. Um, at the moment, the current regulations state that to make improvements to a property, and this is kind of like ridiculous, has to be at no upfront cost to the landlord. And that's because government regulations take so long to come in. At the time that these were being developed, there was the new Green Deal where you borrowed money to make an improvement to property, but it went on the electricity bill with the repayments. So there was no upfront cost to a landlord in theory. Uh, but that failed, mainly because the government stuck such a high interest rate on it. Consumer protection meant that things like boilers became from maybe 1500 to 2000 to 3000 to 4000 because the installers were having to jump through so many hoops and have so much insurance in place that the costs went up. So that scheme failed. So there is no way, in theory, that you can improve a property at no upfront cost. So that means that at this moment, every property is exempt from the regulations. So they've realised that now, which is amazing for government. They've realised it so quickly. Um, so they've now changed it. And there, there will be a £3,500 cap per property to improve, to improve it to an E rating. If with that £3,500, you cannot get to an E rating, you can exempt it. On, there's a register, property uh, PRS register. Um, and that lasts for five years. Now, some people, um, an estate I know, they've registered 50 properties already on the exemption register because they can't improve it at no cost. And that was supposed to last for five years. The government have realised their mistake, so any property registered before April this year will be removed in April 2020. So that estate now has 50 properties that next year they're going to have to spend £3,500 on to improve it to the standards. They're also tightening up on um, whether you can register it. Before, it, it's, a, it's a self uh, thing. You do it yourself. You just fill a few forms in. It's fairly simple to do. But in the future, you're going to have to have three quotes stating that the cost of the improvements will be more than the requirement. Um, the improvements are on the EPC. Unfortunately, I mean, I'm an energy assessor, but I don't always agree with some of the things that they recommend. Solid, uh, solid floor insulation is one of the ones that always comes up at the top of the list, and they will expect that to be insulated. 
how many houses are going to dig up the floors to insulate them? I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. So they'll, they'll probably look at that and they'll give exemptions. Um, if it's going to affect the property uh, from a, a cost point of view, so if, it's, if you can prove that it's going to downgrade the value of the property, you can get a, a report stating that. So there are some ways out of it. The other uh, way is tenants. They say that a, a energy-efficient improvement... Uh, it depends on your, your type of tenancy agreement you've got, is an improvement, it's not a repair. So you don't, as a landlord, have the automatic right to improve it. So you will have to get tenant's approval to make that improvement. If that tenant says no, then you can't make the improvements and you can register it on the register. But you will have to prove that you've asked them a number of times to make the improvements and they've refused it. So it is just one way that you might be exempt, even, even though um, you haven't made the improvements. Uh, but really, I think I have a lot more to say. Okay, thanks for that, Colin. So has anybody got any questions relating to the EPC and the changes in regulation? Nobody? Didn't think it'd be excited. <laughs> I was excited, Colin. <laughs> okay, so Colin is there at the end for you to be able to uh, have a chat with, should you so wish. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Colin. Do you want to go that way? Yeah, I've got to get that off. Yeah, I've got to get that off. <coughs> so, whilst we're just about to swap over between Colin and Tej, um, I just want you to ask, so how many of you, if you could have a show of hands, um, it's audience participation now, how many of you have been to one of these with us before? Okay, so a lot of newcomers. Right, that's interesting. Um, we want to tailor these to suit your needs so going forwards if there's anything that you want us to include if there's anything you think we should be including then please let us know because it's important for us that you get the maximum out of all of this as well okay and can i just ask how many of you deal in or have or want to get involved in multi-occupancy i know you do Okay, and the rest of you are what? Professional lets? Yeah? Okay. Anybody in commercial? Right. Okay, what, what, about, what about looking at building land and new homes? Okay, I know you're into land and new homes, yeah. Okay, jolly good. So we have got Aidan here, um, who I'll talk about towards the end, who is our land and new homes guy in the office and we have got various bits that are on offer. Okay, so that would be worth discussing. Ready to go? Right, so we now have Ted, who's gonna be talking to you about the fascinating subject of tax. Thank you, welcome Ted. Just make sure it works. Uh, good evening, everybody. Uh, my name is Tej, and I'm from Tax Assist Accountants of uh, Leicester and Syston. So that's my shameless plug here. Um, we've got two offices, one on Uppingham Road and one in Melton Road on Syston. And we provide tax and accountancy services for small business, uh, landlords, property people, um, and businesses in general. Uh, as I said there, uh, those are the services we provide. Uh, in relation to property, obviously things like self-assessment tax returns, 
uh, let campaigns, um, tax planning, um, those, those sorts of services. I'm just going to talk about the sort of four subjects, which are the kind of main, um, the main areas that we get questioned about and work we do within the property field. Um, so the first thing is the, the budget of 2018 in October. Um, in the old days, budgets used to kind of cover a year. Now budgets tend to cover the next three or four years. Um, so you end up sort of uh, reporting on them as they kind of progress. And of course, governments can change their minds and you know, flip things around and change things as well. So I'll be uh, going through a couple of things that which are, are relevant for, for property. Um, the HMRC let campaign, that's to do with basically where people haven't declared their rental income. So um, there's a specialist unit uh, which deals with that where um, clients or uh, if you've got rental income, you can come forward and declare it. Um, or they will... The other aspect is they might find out that you've got this income that you haven't declared it. So uh, if you haven't declared it and you come forward, that's unprompted. Uh, if they find out and they approach you, that's prompted. Uh, section 24, interest relief. So that's to do with the restriction on interest, on finance costs, uh, which many of you are probably uh, familiar with. Um, and then the last one is to do with incorporating um, and uh, holding properties in a limited company, which is one of the most sort of common queries we get nowadays. Now, before I start, I just want to say, don't shoot the messenger. I want to get out of here alive, so it's, I'm just giving you the messages. So um, I'll just go through the main points which are, are most re relevant uh, to you guys. <clears throat> so budget, November 2018. Uh, Two, two main things which, uh, which will affect, for, affect you, really. Um, lettings relief. Um, there's a thing called lettings relief. Basically, it's, uh, if you've uh, lived in a property at some point, you then rent it out. Uh, this relief is available for when you sell the property against capital gains tax. Um, the second lettings relief is uh, a second relief, which is basically if you've ever lived in a property, you've rented it out, you've come to sell it. Uh, the last... It used to be the last 18 months is basically not counted for capital gains purposes. That's deemed occupation. That is being cut to nine months from April 2020. And lettings relief in, its, uh, in totality is, is basically disappearing from April to 20 as well. Uh, the best thing is if I just show you a couple of examples which will illustrate that fact. So at the moment, um, John buys a home. He lives in it for two years, moves back in with his mother rents out the property for the remaining eight years. The disposal for the, for the property uh, is 100,000. So let's just say he bought it for 100,000, sold it for 200,000, the gain is 100,000. Um, under the current rules, the, uh, the gain is 100,000, as uh, stated. Um, he gets some extra relief, so he lived in it for two years, so he gets relief for that. Um, the last 18 months, as we said, is deemed occupation, so he'll get relief for that. So 35,000 gets chopped off the gain. Um, he then gets further relief, the lettings relief. Now that's the smallest of three figures. Uh, the first one is the uh, actual uh, gain after the reliefs, so 65,000. Um, it's the, uh, or the actual PPR, the 35,000, or 40,000. The 40,000 figure is just a set figure, so it's just not, it's not relevant to the actual calculation. It's just a set figure by the government. So the, the lowest figure there is 35,000. So the chargeable gain subject to capital gains tax is 30,000 pounds. Now, the changes that are coming in from April 
2020. This is the impact it has, basically. So the same example, the gain still 100,000. Um, the PPR plus the last nine months now, he only gets relief rather than 18 months. So he gets 27,500 as relief. And the lettings relief disappears altogether. So basically, his gain now is 72,500 on which he'll have to pay capital gains tax. So as you can see, it makes a hell of a lot of difference. Um, so basically, if you are looking to sell a property that you've rented out, um, best to do it before April 2020. Otherwise, you'll get hit with big tax bills. Sorry, Ted, can I just interrupt? Can you guys hear at the back? Because I don't think his mic's working. I've got some Is people saying they can't. Um, Marley, could you bring the roaming mic, is it not working? Hello? Can you hear me now? Yeah? Okay. Um, so, yeah, so like I said, it has a, it has a big impact. Um, HMRC's LET campaign. Like I said, the LET campaign is basically it's a bit like an amnesty. You can come forward. If you've not done tax returns for many years, you want to declare that income, uh, you can come forward, register under the LET campaign, and basically, because you're coming forward, uh, the penalties are, are less. Um, um, and so there's an incentive to kind of come into the system, basically. Um, it's proving quite successful, HMRC. They're, they're rolling this out. They're, they're pushing it a lot. Um, one of the things they're, they're doing now is obviously going to estate agents and letting agents and, and getting all their, their landlord's details. Um, they then take that data, cross-refer it with self-assessment tax records, and see that if you've not submitted anything, they'll then basically write to you suggesting that you've got rental income that you haven't paid tax on. Um, like I said, it's happening more and more because basically they've got increased powers to kind of get this information from third parties and they're ending up kind of joining the dots, if you like, uh, to get this information. Okay, that hasn't come out very well, but that, that's just an example of a letter that you might get sent. So if you have not um, declared your rental income, that's a standard letter that you'll get and it's just saying, look, we believe you've got income from letting property um, so please basically tell us what we need to know. Uh, if you haven't got any income, then, then let them know as well. So it hasn't come out very well, but if anybody wants a copy, if you see me afterwards, I'll send you a copy of it. Okay, the interest uh, relief. So basically the government decided that they were going to restrict the, the um, tax relief on interest, um, on, mortgage, on mortgage interest. Um, started off with 25% in 1718, 50%. 1819, and then 75% in 1920, uh, and 100% in 2021. It affects higher rate taxpayers, so if you're a lower rate taxpayers, there's no real effect. It, it's to basically catch the higher rate taxpayers so that they, uh, the interest they do get restricted, um, it's restricted to 20% rather than their 40% tax rate. The impact is basically on, on those who have large portfolios, who are highly geared, obviously got a lot of borrowings, um, and the major cost they have is interest payments, so um, it's going to impact them the most. Again, a simple example, so John's only income is rental from rental properties. He's got gross rents of 150000 mortgage interest is 85000 and his other costs are 25000 so for 1718, like I said, the restriction or the allowable, sorry, is 75% of the interest cost. So if you go through the example, his taxable rent is 61,250. If we take it into account his personal allowance for the year and the higher rate allowance, 
So he worked through the figures there. So basically, he's making he's, his tax bill is, is 8,950 based on that. The bit at the bottom is what, what they call a the tax reducer. So that's basically to give him some sort of relief at 20% um, on, on his um, income. So that's uh, 1718. If we then flip forward to 1819, you'll see that the, the interest restriction is now 50%. So only 50% is now allowable. So if you go through the figures there, the taxable rent becomes 82,500. The personal allowance goes up a bit, and the higher rate allowance goes up a bit. Um, but it basically means then he's paying extra tax of uh, 12,000. Well, the, the bill is 12,860. And the increase in tax is, is nearly £4,000. So um, that's quite an impact. Like I said, obviously he's got you know, £150,000 of rental income. Not everyone's going to have that. But it's just to illustrate the impact that it can have. Uh, incorporating limited companies. So like I said, we get these questions a lot these days. So uh, if, you, if your property is through a limited company, there's no restriction on the interest. So um, when we talked about the 75%, 50%, if, if the a property uh, is uh, bought through the company, then the interest in full is, is tax deductible. So that's the attraction of, of going through a company. Um, on a general level, uh, new purchases, it makes a lot of sense if you're buying something new um, to make it go through a company, if you're a high rate taxpayer. Um, in the old days, mortgages for limited companies were fairly restricted, but obviously now, because of this change, uh, there's a lot more players in the market, they're a lot more competitive. Um, and, and it's, it's the way to go, really. If you can, get, if you can make the numbers work and you know, uh, crunch the numbers and make sure that you get money out of it, then, then limited is, is the way to go. If you've got existing properties in your personal names, um, you can incorporate them, but there are, there are a lot of issues. There's a lot of hurdles. Um, there's there's uh, capital gains tax. There's stamp duties if you've got mortgages on them. If you've got mortgages on them, you'll have to remortgage them. You, they won't, you, know, you can't just transfer them into a company. So there's lots and lots of issues um, which you have to take into account and could end up costing you a lot more to do that than rather than just going with it as it is now. So it's almost taking a, a, a property by property approach to your portfolio and deciding what's worth incorporating, what isn't worth incorporating. Doggy bag, so this is basically the, the takeaways that I want you to take away, the, the things that I want you to kind of remember, basically. Let campaign. If prompted, if you get these letters saying, you know, we believe you have rental income, please come forward, you need to complain. Now is not the time to treat HRMRC like idiots. That, that time has passed. You've got to get, come clean because they're writing to you now. The penalties are harsher, but, you know, we can appeal them. Um, give you an example, we had someone come through... He had 15 years' worth of rental income he hadn't declared. Um, by the end of it, he, um, he said, oh, okay, they said, oh, you owe X amount, the penalties are, are 30%. Um, he was just fed up with the whole thing and just said, look, I just, I just want to pay it. So whatever they say, I just want it over with now. So we said, no, we think you're, it's worth appealing the penalties. So we said, okay, just pay what they're saying you owe them, but we're going to appeal for you anyway. So we'll only charge you if the appeal is successful. So you've got nothing to lose. So he said, okay. So we appealed on his behalf. We appealed for 10, um, knowing that they won't go for that. Um, but they settled at 20. And so because he had such a large amount, you know, even a 10% saving on the penalties was a substantial amount, so he was happy. Um, so they are, they are willing to listen, but the penalties, if they, if they, they find out, are, are looking at 20 to 30%, whereas if you come forward, you're looking at around 10% mark. 
And in some cases, we even appeal for less than that and they'll accept it. So, um, but if you are prompted, then, then come clean at that point. There's no point in kind of hiding things. We get people saying, oh, well, if, what if I say I only rented out last year? Well, if you had a property for 10 years, what have you been doing with it all this time? You know, either you're a terrible investor or you're lying. So come clean, you know, it's not the time to kind of um, play games, basically. The strategy, now, looking at all those tax changes, you think, well, what's the point? You know, I'm not going to make any money. Is all this going in tax. You can still make money from property. You just have to be a bit more strategic these days. So, you know, decide what you want from the property. Are you looking for uh, rental income? Are you looking for capital growth? You've got to decide, you know, are you looking for, um, you know, to hold in a portfolio, to pass down to your children? Are you looking to flip properties, develop them, commercial? So you've got to have a strategy these days. You've got to think about it. There's a lot of help out there. Obviously, these guys are experts. You can ask them. Um, but have a strategy of how you're going to approach this. And uh, it's like anything. If you approach it correctly, have a strategy in place, there's, there's still money to be made in this. Um, the third thing is licensing. Now, I, I'm not a property expert, but I believe in Leicester there's no licensing system at the moment, but I believe in Nottingham there is now. Um, so things that tend to happen in Nottingham eventually filter through to Leicester. So uh, licensing, so basically landlords have to have a license to, to, to let their properties out. Obviously, that's, that's, then that's another uh, aspect for HMRC to sort of latch on to and see if you're, you know, been declaring the property income in the first place. So that's another area where they'll be able to join up the dots and if you haven't declared that income, they'll be able to, to get that from, from that information from that you know, source as well. So that, that's possibly something that's coming in the future as well. Um, and as I said, limited companies, um, if you've got portfolios already, it's, it's a good idea to seek professional advice. There's a lot of hearsay and my mate down the pub says this and that kind of thing goes on. But um, speak to someone professional, don't, don't just listen to other people. Because every case is different, everyone's cases are different, so you can't kind of apply, one solution doesn't kind of apply to all. So I'd say seek professional advice um, so you can approach things in the right way, plan things in the right way, and hopefully minimise your tax bill. That's just our details, so if you want to come up and see me afterwards, you've got any questions or whatever, I can uh, help you out. And that's about it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tesh. Because there's so many of you here, which is great, um, it's not going to be possible, I'm sure, for Tesh to speak to everybody individually afterwards, although he'd love to. Does anybody have any quick questions for Tedge now that he may not have covered? Has anybody got any questions? No? Nobody wants to put their hand up tonight, look. Okay, so that's good. Thank you, Tedge. <laughs> Lovely. Okay, so hopefully you found that useful. Um, my microphone seems to be the only one that's working, and I'm probably the one that doesn't need a microphone. So turn that off. Okay. So next we've got Luke. Uh, Ted, have you gone off with my little picker? So we've got Luke Sinclair, um, who I did say earlier on, he's one of the directors of, of Knightsbridge. He is also the author of Leicester Property Blog. Um, he's now actually gone into training other agents in different parts of the country to um, hopefully know as, as much as, as we like to, um, but not, all, not as much, almost as much. We don't want to be in exactly the same. Um, he heads up our 
uh, I've got love groups here. It's actually Love Oadby, Love Clarendon Park and Love Wigston, uh, which I'll talk about towards the end. Um, and also a lot of our charity fundraising, which we do. So very well known in the industry, well known in the area. And um, Luke's going to talk to you now about the legislation changes. Now, I can tell you that it's this part, for those of you that haven't been before, where everybody starts taking notes. So if you haven't got a notepad, and we may have some spares, I don't know, you might need it because if you are a landlord thinking of becoming a landlord, these things will affect you. And last time, it was quite a shock for some people. Okay, are we ready? Yep. Luke, welcome. Thank you very much. Um, so um, my purpose today is to give you a bit of an update as to what's happening on the legal situation when it comes to renting properties out. Some of the information came into effect only yesterday. Uh, some of it comes into effect on the 1st of uh, June, but there's also been a couple of court cases recently to make you aware of that could have an impact upon properties that you rent out, and also some court cases to ignore, and you've still got to do some of the checks that you need to do. So, um, as, as a landlord or when you rent a property out, there are now in excess of 150 pieces of legislation that... Uh, you possibly may need to be aware of. Um, not all of them will apply to your rental property. Some of them, some of them will do. Um, so these are some of the examples of the different pieces of legislation. So typical ones like uh, the, the gas safety one, the Housing Act 1985, 96, 2004, 2016. Um, they're the common ones, but there are smaller ones. So, uh, I touched on it last time about, so there's a piece of legislation called the BED Bunk Entrapment Act. So there is a piece of legislation all to do with uh, bed bunks that, uh, or bunk beds, should I say, when you put them into rental properties and to how narrow the spindles have to be so someone can't trap their head between the two spindles. So there is that piece of legislation out there. Um, so uh, one of the things that I wanted to touch on um, was the Immigration Act, just very briefly. Um, did anyone pick up on the news, and the BBC covered this quite, quite well, about um, uh, there was a court case to do with the Immigration Act that happened in February of this year. Is anyone in the room? Okay, that's good. So I'm giving you some, some useful information. Um, that uh, basically was, there was a court case in February 2019 uh, brought to court by the Joint Council for the Welfare of Immigrants, basically saying... Um, that it was, allow, it was allowing racial discrimination through the Immigration Act because letting agents um, were declining uh, tenants from ethnic minorities from different countries and just focusing upon EU citizens. And basically that court, that court they lost the first case but they took it to appeal and on appeal uh, Mr Justice Spencer agreed with uh, the Council for the Welfare of Immigrants and said it infringes someone's human rights in order to, to carry out the Immigration Act 2016 checks. However, just because that judgment has been made still means that it is still applicable in law until the government change their stance. And at the minute, their stance is that they're reviewing matters. So um, they tend to take a long time to do a few things. Um, so just to touch on what the Immigration Act uh, obligations are, um, is that at the start of a tenancy, um, all occupants uh, and tenants over the age of 18 um, 
even if they're not named on the tenancy, uh, even if there's no tenancy agreement in place, and even if you don't have that agreement in writing, you need to establish uh, their eligibility to live within the UK. Um, and on here, it is illegal to check only non-British. You have to check absolutely everyone, and you have to record that information, and you need to keep that information on file. So this affects student properties, um, your standard properties that you let out and that information um, so you must see the original documents um, you can't accept photocopies you can't accept someone hold it in front of a webcam and putting it next to their face for the resemblance or anything like that um, you need to record the date that you've taken that copy you need to ensure that it is a true likeness of them so one of them it will be proof of uh, identity um, but also it's then diarising that on so that if it does expire, it's to check up on the expiry or uh, throughout the tenancy, but it's then re to retain that information after the tenancy ends as well. So you've got to retain that on file for at least a year after the tenancy coming to an end. Um, one of the things I wanted to touch on, because we've had um, a few landlords approach me um, through the property blog um, where they're actually purchasing a property and having spoken to Rebecca recently um, when she came along to the last seminar um, she's put additional procedures in place now where um, when you're buying a property are, is that property actually compliant with the Deregulation Act so has the necessary prescribed documents been registered and issued to the tenant because if it hasn't you're potentially buying quite a big liability there so, um, so the Deregulation Act actually came in in March 2015. Um, one thing it did do was that it clarified that any tenancy deposits pre and post 2007. Um, and it's designed to stop retaliatory evictions and it also changed the way that you can um, ask for a tenant to leave. Um, but the important thing is that it insisted upon a certain level of documentation to be given to the tenant um, when they move in to the property. Um, so, um, but it also stopped you from being able to issue them a Section 21 notice until they've been into the property for four months if they're in, on a six-month contract. And there is a new Section 21 form, which is called the uh, 6A form, which is a standard prescribed form now uh, if you are to ask the tenant to leave. Um, so what you are required... Uh, to give to the tenant at the point of the tenancy commencing is one, the how to rent guide and there's been off the top head four or five incarnations of the how to rent guide um, one of them may change within a couple of days um, so that is a legal requirement if you want to stand a chance in asking your tenant to move out of the property through the section 6A or form 6A notice um, if, if you haven't got that I'm more than happy to supply the latest version to you. The other requirement is to furnish them with a copy of the landlord's gas safety certificate and document to prove that you've given it to them because when you apply to the court, if the tenant doesn't move out, you need to prove to them as to how that tenant has received that gas safety certificate. <coughs> Equally, with the energy performance certificate, so you're required to ensure that the tenant has had a copy of that energy performance certificate. Ideally, they should have had it before they actually start signing up to the property. 
then when it comes to the deposit, so the deposit scheme terms, so some of the deposit schemes will have certain documents that they'll ask you to serve on the tenant. So have you served those? Have you got the evidence? So just a simple receipt form, just to initial and sign and date to say that they've seen it. The prescribed information, if there are, again, prescribed information documents that are required to give to that particular tenant. So um, if you don't comply with all of that, then effectively you can't serve a Section 21 or Section 6A notice. So effectively the only way a tenant can leave is if they give notice themselves because they could dig their heels in and um, stay within the property. If you go through the court process, you've got to be able to prove that that's been given. And there was a recent court case in February and it hinged upon the gas safety check and we'll be coming on to that one uh, a little bit later um, for this particular court case because there was no gas appliance or there were no gas appliances within the actual property itself, but they were within the building. So, um, can you retrospectively serve documents? No, you can't now. They closed the loophole on that in October last year. So, just, just as a recap, um, so that's what the How to Rent Guide looks like. It's a government document, uh, approximately three or four pages. Uh, that's what a, an EPC looks like, uh, for those that haven't seen it. Gas safety record providing they're done by a qualified gas safe registered engineer and that engineer is competent and qualified to do it in the in those areas so if you've got uh, warm air heating that engineer has to be qualified within warm air heating um, these are example documents of the prescribed information that you would have to serve on the tenant again it depends upon which deposit scheme you are a member of Okay, so the update that I wanted to talk to people about with the gas safety certificates um, is from a court case only this year on the 13th of February. Um, and this was to do with a self-contained apartment which had its heating powered by a communal gas boiler. Um, there was no gas in the property. There were no gas pipes in the property. The only pipes in the property were water pipes. Um, the tenant did not move out of the property after being served a Section 6A notice and the landlord had to rely upon going to court. Um, and the judge ruled that because there was gas within the building that was providing the heating for that property, that the tenant needed to have evidence that they'd seen a copy of that gas safety, whether or not it was directing them to where they could sit in the communal area, um, or if they were physically given it. So, um, and the judge in particular pointed um, the agent and the landlord to this section of the gas regulations, um, section 36, uh, part 7, which um, clearly states that they do need to provide that. And because they didn't, and the judge ruled that it, gas is a serious matter it can result in life or death so if you do have any properties that have communal heating systems and they are powered by gas regardless of when not gas pipes go through quite often it's done in apartments so apartments have one big boiler power the hot water and heating make sure you get a copy of that gas safety certificate from your block managing agents um, this is the new piece of legislation the homes 
Fitness for Habitation Act 2018, um, even though it says 2018, it only came into force yesterday. Um, and basically, this works alongside, and this is something to be aware of, because there are ambulance chasers out there already um, wanting to take landlords to court um, on a no-win, no-fee basis. So this works along the uh, Housing Hazard Safety Rating System, and it amends the landlord's obligations in the Housing Act 1985, and it affects new and renewed tenancies from the 20th of uh, March onwards. What it basically states is it's not just about maintaining a property, it's also improving a property, but it now gives tenants the right to sue landlords through the courts if they don't fulfil their obligations. What it is also looking to do is to put timescales in place, so if you don't attend to your repairs in a prompt manner, so let's look at the example of maybe a leaking roof, if that's not, say, done within 24, 48 hours, then the tenant could have a right for compensation. Same for maybe the lack of heating and hot water, water leak. So it is putting those timescales in place as to what would be reasonable. Um, like I said, there is ambulance chases already. So this is a copy of a leaflet um, that has been distributed. And it is um, no win, no fee. And it's targeted towards tenants trying to get compensation. So it's going to come at no cost to the tenant, a bit like the old PPI and, and all the bank charges reclaiming. So there are companies out there prepared to do it. So most landlords with you being in the room, you've obviously taken a proactive approach to managing your own property or you appoint an agent. So a lot of these probably aren't going to apply, but you need to have that upper hand of knowledge so that you can be prepared. Or if you take on a property, if you're looking to expand your portfolio, make, sh make sure you're asking these questions or getting your solicitor to ask these questions. Are there any repairs that have been reported that haven't been addressed? Ask for the chron ask for so the audit trail of any repairs that have been reported, because again, you're going to be inheriting these problems. So when it comes to, and we've got a handout for this, for the first six uh, in the Housing Hazard Safety Rating System, there are 29 in total. Um, and we've put together a guide for the first six. Um, if you'd like to know more, more than happy to come and talk to me at the end. Um, it will be over towards where Colin is, is sitting at the moment. Um, so one of those is, is damp and mould growth, excess cold, uh, excess heat, um, asbestos, uh, biocides, carbon monoxide and, and fuel combustion products. So it is something to be aware of. Make sure that you're, you've got it on your radar for what those 29 hazards are because if that tenant goes into your local authority to say, I've got damp or mould problems and they come out to inspect. They don't just inspect the damp or mould problem, they inspect all 29 items. They don't just go out to inspect the one thing that the tenants complained about. They have an obligation to go through the whole 29 item list. So there was a recent example, uh, it wasn't with us, fortunately, um, where the tenant reported the landlord to a local authority because they felt that they didn't provide um, the furniture that met the regulations. Now, interestingly, fire safety furniture regulations aren't one of the hazards. 
but because the council got invited out, they then went through all 29 items and found the big long list for the landlord to start to remedy. Um, so they categorised them into category one or category two hazards. Category one is where it's life uh, endangering. Uh, category two is it's not as life endangering, but it is still important. So anything that is category one, is they will insist upon you getting repaired. Um, the big one uh, that's going to come in on the 1st of June is tenant fees. And there's a lot of, uh, I've had a lot of phone calls from, from clients and also from people reading the Leicester Property blog when they said, well, it won't affect me because I'm a landlord, I rent the property myself. It affects any fee that the tenant pays, regardless of whether or not it's a fee to an agent. Um, it could be a fee that you've put in your tenant's agreement for late rent. So if you put in a fee for £30 because the rent's paid late, you can't charge that. You won't be able to charge that from the 1st of June. So basically it's, it's uh, abolishing any fees that a tenant pays with exception to two uh, exceptions. And those exceptions are, you can uh, charge late rent fees, but it is restricted on to what you can do. So the restriction is it can be 3% plus the Bank of England base rate. So an example on a £1,500 rent, that works out to 15p per day that you can charge them. You can't charge them administration for writing them a letter. Um, you can't charge them for going to visit the property, to knock the door to find out what's going on. Um, so it's not going to amount up to a lot. But that is then what, it, and if you deviate from that, the penalties are quite severe as well, which we'll come on to very shortly. Um, the other fee that you'll be able to charge is if they lose their keys or security devices. But what you will only be able to charge for is if you can produce a receipt for getting a new key cut. You won't be able to produce, charge for your time in doing so. Um, going down to the uh, ironmongers to get the key cut, um, you will only be able to pass that cost on and you'll be able to and you have to document and provide that evidence. Because if you don't, then the tenant can report you, um, and it is the local trading standards that will be enforcing the tenant fee ban uh, as well. If you want to charge these fees, then they need to be included within your tenancy agreement, otherwise you cannot charge them. So unless they're included within the tenancy agreement, you cannot charge those fees. But it doesn't stop at just banning tenant fees, so they won't be able to pay any application fees, renewal fees, contract fees, check-in fees, check-out fees, inventory fees, um, lots of fees. They, they're the two one fees that, that you'll be able to charge, or an agent will be able to charge their tenant. But where it does go next is that it's putting a cap on deposits that tenants pay, and that cap is set to five weeks' rent. Um, regardless of whether or not they have a pet, um, regardless of whether or not they're smokers, um, regardless of whether or not they've got a dog, a cat, the most deposit that you'll be able to request is five weeks' rent. And 
Um, my understanding at the moment is that at some point, if you have got in excess of that five weeks rent, then um, we will need to go through retrospectively reimbursing the difference to the tenants. Um, what you can do with tenants to help protect yourself is ask for a holding deposit. Uh, so with a holding deposit, you can take, but it must be paid back to the tenant or used towards the rental payment or deposit if that tenancy does go ahead. However, there are some exceptions. Um, you get to keep it if the tenant withdraws. The tenant does not take reasonable steps to enter their tenancy. Uh, the tenant fails their right to rent check. Uh, or the tenant provides misleading information which materially affects their suitability for the property, you, will, you are able to then keep that holding deposit. Um, in terms of repaying that holding deposit, um, it has to be done within 15 days of taking that holding deposit, um, unless you have agreed something else, and if you have, it has to be declared in writing, you can't just agree it verbally, so you have to have that exchange in writing with the tenant for them to you offer and they accept that there is going to be a difference to the 15 days. Once you've agreed to repay it, it must be done within seven days or you put it towards the rent, it is used to offset against the rent and deposit. Um, I talked about earlier the penalties, so if um, a landlord or letting agent does, does make these charges. So the first time, for first offence, they let you off a little bit lightly and they'll, and they'll fine you £5,000. Second time, it's either a criminal offence or they'll fine you £30,000. Um, and that's what's... And that is coming in. There's been a lot of talk. It's been banded around for probably, I think, nearly three years now. Um, a lot of people thought it was probably just going to fall by the wayside with Brexit and everything else, but it hasn't. It is now going to come in on the 1st of June, whether or, not, whether or not we like it or not, and tenants are becoming aware of it. And again, you will get ambulance chases, like you have with the PPI, like you have with the bank charges um, reclaiming. They're going to say, have you been charged a fee since the 1st of June? You can get this back. And so it's time to audit your tenancy agreements um, and look at the deposits that you're taking. Um, and there are alternatives out there for, for taking deposits that could protect you better than to actually taking a monetary deposit. So it may be worth exploring those. Um, if you'd like to know more, then come and grab me at the end. Um, so um, that is the biggest one. Um, originally, it was going to be six weeks deposit. Um, shelter and the housing associations or organisations, not associations, but housing organisations wanted four weeks. I think they've just met in the middle and agreed on five weeks. So that is my legal update for this seminar. If there are any questions, I'm more than happy to take those and come and find me at the end. Um, or uh, all, my con all my contact details, if you see one of my colleagues, they can give you one of my cards more than happy to take any calls afterwards. You can contact me through the Leicester Property blog. Um, I'm usually in one of our offices between Wigston OB and Clanham Park, or you can see me on YouTube and Facebook with Love OB. So, and Clanham um, Park. Sorry? And Clanham Park. And Clanham Park in Wigston as well. So, but I'll now...
hand you back over to Glenn. Thank you. Thanks, Luke. So, did you all find that useful? Yeah? That's normally the bit where, as I say, everybody starts taking notes because he's only just scratched the surface with what's going on here. I think the... Um, I'll just get that one there. That's it. So, I think the thing to bear in mind is that he says he's available in one of the offices normally. That's not true. He's normally on courses and seminars and things where he's learning all the stuff that he's talking about now so that you guys don't have to attend these things. And this is information which we give to you for free. Okay, so hopefully, um, as I say, he's, he's enlightened you with some of the changes, but it's far more involved. And, and as Luke said, um, because we're restricted on space in here, and I do apologise to those people that are standing at the back, um, we will have handouts over on the right hand side there which will cover off some of this and what we haven't covered off and you need to know just come and ask us you know we're very approachable more than happy to help okay um, so I apologize for the flashing lights we are going to have some music to go with the flashing lights in a minute do, are you all okay sitting there in the dark a little bit or do you want me to get the lights turned back up are you okay jolly good Right, so, um, my little bit. So for those that don't know me, I'm based at Clarendon Park. I've uh, been in the industry over 30 years. Spent some of that time, quite a bit of that time um, overseas, uh, doing overseas investments. Investments uh, and investment properties and working with these investors, <coughs> excuse me, is something which I am very passionate about. And for those that have been in to see me, know that I will talk to you all day about investment properties and how I can make your money go further. So that's a little bit about, uh, about me. I need to understand what your appetites are because we've got lots of people here I don't know. Um, some people put their hands up, they've got multi-lets, some said they've got professional lets, some didn't do anything at all. If you're looking for property and you let us know what sort of property you're looking for, we will source it. Because of the contacts that we've got with the land and new homes and all the things that we do, which Luke's going to talk about in a second again, um, we will be able to find most things at the right money. But just know this, all these people, and Luke said the Brexit word, I think that's the first time it's been mentioned tonight, which is amazing. Um, is it happening? I don't know. All I can say is, within our three offices, we have had an incredible start to the year sales wise so for those of you that have been in that know the, what properties we had on the market in january and february know how quickly they've gone not all investment properties there are a few less properties coming to market which means that people are having to make decent offers on decent properties and that's affecting the market and it's all positive so we have not seen any sign of slowdown now i'm going to touch wood on that one so Investment opportunities, outright purchases versus mortgages. Now, I brought that in tonight. I'm going to, I don't want to teach anybody to suck eggs, but there are people that don't fully understand the benefits with buying with mortgages. We're very lucky in this country, Spain's doing it as well now, but there's a lot of countries where you can't get mortgages easily and readily um, for investment properties. Now, with this country, we are able to get normally with a 25% deposit. I'm not a mortgage advisor, I'm going to say that from the start. I'm not going to give you actual figures, I'm going to give you 
guidelines. Okay. With the um, buying with mortgages, so when I get lots of people that come to me and say, I've got, and I'm going to use the figure, 250,000. I've got 250,000 pounds and I want to buy a house. So my question is, are you adverse to having mortgage? I don't want a mortgage. Why don't you want a mortgage? Well, because I don't want to have the repayments. I, want to, I just want to own the house. When we look at the actual returns on your investment from um, owning a property outright or through using a buy-to-let mortgage, you will see in this example that if you've got a £250,000 property, and I'm using Clarendon Park as an example, because that's generally what you'll pay for a four-bed multi-let for argument's sake, based on student let of four people um, in a property, four rooms, £85 per week, we generally multiply that by 48, not 52. Although I know there are some people here that do it by 52, so well done on that one. That's going to give you an income of £16,320. Now that's gross. I don't mean it's horrible. I mean it's a gross income. It's not. It's not um, taken out obviously agency fees, repair costs, furniture packs, whatever you may put in. But nevertheless, that's the income, and that's going to give you a return on investment of six point five percent. Now, when you compare that to buying with a mortgage, without me going through all the facts and figures there, that's giving you a gross return on your investment of seventeen percent. Yeah, and the reason for that is you're only actually investing 25% of that money. The bank's giving you the rest. They're not giving you it for free. Yeah, they're going to charge you £5,625 based on 3% interest only mortgage. That will give you a much higher return for your investment. Now, does, that, does everybody get that? Because as I say, I do have people that come in the office that don't understand the, the difference between taking £250,000 of their money and investing it in one property or four properties. So let's look at maximising returns. So going back to the first example, we've got a, an outright purchase property. Looking at the income revenue, £16,320. Let's suppose we never increase that for five years. We've got capital growth. Now this is based on actual land registry figures on the last five years. It's 24 point something percent. I rounded it up. That's the only time you'll see me exaggerating. So 62,500 capital growth. So fantastic. And that will give you 144,100 pounds worth of revenue. Now looking at the outlay that you're laying out, 250,000, it's still an incredibly good return on that. 57% I worked it out at very quickly. Now, when we look on a buy-to-let basis, you've actually got, obviously, you're not getting as much rent in every month because of your mortgage repayments. However, you've got a total gross revenue there of 115,000, uh, sorry, yeah, revenue of 115,975, taking into account your capital growth on one property. But hey, we've only used 62,500 of your money. Sounds to sound a lot, does it? Six two and a half thousand pounds, which I had it. When we then look at how that actually affects you by now buying four properties, I think the figures talk for themselves because you're talking about laying out the same amount of money that you was going to at two hundred and fifty thousand. 
you've got five times, sorry, four times the amount of revenue from your rents. You've got four times the amount of capital growth, because that's not affected. In fact, you've got a mortgage. And you're only laying out the same amount of money. So does it make sense for those people that will have mortgages? I know some people won't have mortgages, per se. Does it make sense to use your money or the bank's money? Right. And that's why you'll see all, 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 a lot of the top investors use the banks. Yeah, we're all into the banks. Now, these mortgage advisors that are dotted around the room, although I can't sell, there's one. Um, they will talk to you and explain to you. They are specialists in buy-to-let mortgages. They will talk to you and explain the percentages. Now, I've, I've quoted 3%. I had um, Raj say to me yesterday, I can get less than 3%. You know, if they're this and if they're that, I can get less than 3%. That's fine. Let's look at 3% and that's how I've worked these figures out. So, is that of interest? Yeah. Has anybody here got an appetite to buy more property? <coughs> Good. Okay. So, what I want to talk about now is new properties available. Now, I'm only going to go through three or four. When we do these investor evenings, we always try and hold back one or two properties that we release on the evening. The idea being that you get to see it now, first, before they go on the internet, before they go out to anybody else, you can come and see us afterwards and say, listen, Glenn, I want to view that property. We'll get you booked in for next week. We'll do block bookings because it gets busy. Any investment property gets busy. And those investors that have worked with me before know we're straight down the line. We just simply get you booked in. We'll take you out. You make your best offer, you know, and one of you will win. Simple as that, okay? So, this particular one in Clifford Street, and I've got Simon from our Wigston office over there. If you want to talk about uh, in this in more depth at the end, Clifford Street, Simon's your man. Um, this is quite an interesting one because it's a price guide of 500,000. As it says there, you've got a combination of commercial, there's a hairdresser's, there are three apartments, one of which is a duplex, and there are two terraced properties. They're all in there in that block. Now, these are all currently rented out. Now, that's bringing in a revenue of £40,660 per annum based on the rents today. <coughs> we believe, and Simon might shoot me down for saying this, we believe that with a little bit of tweaking, we can increase that. Okay? They're great, but they're not perfect, and I think we can, we can improve on it. So, looking at those properties, you've got outright purchase figure, and again, I've not broken it all down, but gross return investment 8%, or using the buy-to-let mortgage 25% uh, deposit 23%. And you'll see these figures as I'm going through, and it's not because I've planned it this way, but you'll see that this 23% or that sort of region generally is what you get when you're using buy-to-lets. The next one. So, court view. Again, new listing. I've not been out to see it. Um, Aaron will tell you about it. Where's Aaron? Hiding behind the screen over there. That <laughs> sounds about right. So Aaron's been out there. He's, he's listed this one. Now, his idea with this one, and I've not worked the figures out on this basis, his idea with this one, because of its location, is to use it like an Airbnb. Does anybody do Airbnb? Yeah? What, have you got one? No, I've You use them. Okay. <laughs> Does anybody use Airbnb? There you go, so we've got a few. 
it's still in its infancy. We were at a, a conference a few months ago, and one of the, the founders of, of Airbnb, or one of the top guys of Airbnb was there, and it was fascinating what they've gone into now, but I'm not going to go on to that one. But um, it's an up-and-coming thing. It will catch on more and more. I used it in its infancy down in Milton Keynes once, um, but it's handy for people that are travelling. I think, Luke, you're doing Airbnb in May. Yeah. Locally. Yeah, they've settled, uh... Australia. So he's booked in Airbnb. So there is those figures, and we're happy to talk about that and what the potential is, but you guys have to know how to market Airbnb because obviously it's something which you normally do direct. Now, when we look at these facts and figures on this one, rental potential £9,000 per annum, that's based on just a, a, um, a professional let because of its location in the city centre. Gross 5.6, much better than you're going to get in the bank, or with a buy-to-let mortgage, 13%. Okay? So that's another property which we've got handouts for over there. There's, I think we've done a little booklet with four properties in, which you'll be able to um, come along and take away with you. And as I say, all of my colleagues, when you came in, you did fill in a registration form. When we're finished, if you want to talk to us about anything specific, we will try and retrieve your form so that we can add any notes that you talk to us about so we can tailor it to your needs going forward. The next one. Herschel Street, off London Road. Now this is quite a good one because at the moment it's a residential property. It's outside of Article 4. Do we, do we all know what Article 4 is? Students. Yeah, well not necessarily students, but multi-lets, yeah. Do, do, does anybody not know what Article 4 is? Because it's really important if you're investing in this area. Dave, I'll talk to you afterwards. Anybody else not know what Article 4 is? Okay, thank you. So if you guys don't mind, I'm just going to explain very quickly. It's not just in, in Leicester, but I'm only going to talk about Leicester. So in certain parts of Leicester, Clarendon Park being probably the main one, the council decided that in order to stop more and more students encroaching or moving into the area, they put a cap on it in uh, August 2014. So if you didn't register, and let me tell you, probably out of 10 properties that we sell that are Article 4, we have to get them registered because they weren't done back in 2013, 2014. So if you didn't register your property and say to the council, and it's quite simple, listen, I've got a property that's multi-let and when you change everything in August 2014, I want you to include my property and they sent you a nice letter with a little number on it. Now, if you haven't got that, we have to try and get it by sending all of the contracts prior to 2013 up to now to show that that house has been multi-let continually. Continuously, whichever it may be. So it's, it's no mean, to, you know, it's not an easy task. It's doable. We have to do it. But if you haven't got, if you want to come into this area and you want to rent a property, so I'm going to, you're going to buy a house like Herschel Street, but in Clarendon Park within the Article 4 area, you can't just stick three, three students in it. You're limited to two. Anything over that, you require to comply with the Article 4 regulation. Okay? So don't think, and there are agents out there that don't understand it, believe you or not. So they will quite happily sell you a house, and you'll go along, and hopefully the solicitors will pick up on it when they find out you want to do a multi-let, and say, actually, you can't do it. Okay? So does that explain that okay? Good.
Good, thank you. So, Herschel Street, outside of Article 4, potentially a three let, um, and that's how we've worked it out. Um, not massive rents in that area, but, but good enough for your returns. So that's going to give you a 6.7 return um, on an outright purchase, or 23%, there it is again, that magic figure, 23% if you're having a buy-to-let mortgage. So there's three good properties there for you um, that, that I've touched on. Now I think Luke's going to come in if this is the right slide, yes it is. Luke's going to come in and talk about this one. Now this is an interesting one. Is there anybody that's done any developing? Yeah? I know you have. Okay, this is, this is a good opportunity for you guys, Luke. Um, so this one that we have here, so this is a piece of land on Saffron Lane in Elston. Um, and it's got planning permission, if you move it along, uh, for nine one-bedroom apartments uh, with planning. It's got a gross developed value of around, and that's a conservative, uh, just over £1 million. I think there's opportunity to stretch that a little bit, particularly with help to buy. Um, and if you are looking at developing and you don't know about help to buy and even registering to get help to buy, because it's not just about uh, big house builders like David Wilson or Miller, if you're building a development, you can get help to buy too and register with Homes England, um, and we can assist you with that as part of our Land and New Homes team, um, alongside Aidan, wherever Aidan's disappeared to. There you are. Um, so if, if this is something that is of interest or if you're looking for a smaller scheme, um, please come and see me or Aidan, um, we'd love to help you, uh, anything from just a single plot up to uh, 71 apartments um, that we're working on at the minute. Um, so that's an example of something that is available. Now one that... Sorry, can I just ask with hmm. that, so that's got two potentials, I think. it's got the potential to buy, develop it and sell it, yeah. or buy, develop it and rent it. Yes. So it's got yeah. two, two really strong possibilities yeah. with that one. Um, it's, it's a very clever design site, it's been really optimised, there is no uh, section 106 or affordable units on there, so you can sell it straight off um, if you want to, or you could rent them out. Um, it's going to give you in a region of 5.5-6% uh, return in, in a traditional way. Um, but um, where we've worked closely with another client uh, is this one in Wigston, it's still under development. Um, but this one had a GDV of uh, £950,000. It was four three-bedroom townhouses. Um, and before they even went to the open market, a investment company have brought those properties um, and they are likely to be, uh, to be rented out. Um, so, there is, uh, so they didn't build them, but they're, they're buying them to rent them out. Low maintenance, um, great spot, great rents. Again, that's likely to give a, a, a return of around five and a half to six percent on those. Um, very good specification as well. So, it's sometimes to look at the other options that are out there, from whether or not it's a single build. Um, and again, we can put you in touch with a reliable uh, contractors that will be able to tender for the process. Um, so, again, if you're struggling to find a reliable trades to, to do the work, again, we can put you in touch with those. But speak to Aidan. Uh, that's part of Aidan's background for a lot of his life, 20 odd years or so within the building industry as well. He doesn't physically build the houses for the clients, but he knows the people that will do. So that's just something else to maybe look at to put it on everyone's, everyone's radar, because there are some great opportunities out there. So, okay. back to you. 
Okay, so hopefully from that you've seen that we've got some properties that you can go and view now. We've got potential plots and things coming up. Um, hopefully some of you want to go and book in to see those, so my colleagues will take your details. Um, Saffron Lane was released previously um, in the last few days and we've already had a lot of calls on that one. So, okay. Now, again, those people who was here last time, um, we actually launched our overseas uh, uh, department, if you like, I suppose you call it, um, overseas department, and that was back in uh, September. Now, we've taken it very slowly. When I spoke early on about people's appetites, this is really important because an investor is an investor. Now, when we, in the good old days, prior to the prior to the big crash that happened and, and went around Europe and the rest of the world uh, like wildfire, there were people that was investing and there's, I know there's at least one or two here and, and, and I know of other investors that, that use our services that have done so. They've invested in Spain, Bulgaria, Dubai, France, all these different countries. Well, we're just focusing on two for the moment because we're sort of walking before we're running. Um, I have a lot of experience in this, so over, over 20 years in selling overseas property, um, as well as UK. So um, I am able to talk to you again with knowledge. You turned me off. <laughs> okay, that's me gone. Thank you very much for coming. <laughs> No, I'm, can you all hear me okay? I'm, I'm a, still a bit Barry Whitish because I'm getting over this cold, but thank you, Rade. How am I going to hold my clicker and that? Multitask. Oh, multitask. I'm a man. Before anybody says anything. So, yeah, so when I get to know your, um, when I get to know your appetite for property, then I can source you other stuff, as I said before. Now, just to give you an idea, when I used to talk to people like yourselves, like-minded investors in a room, in a hotel around the UK or overseas, it didn't really matter. They would come to me and I would say, look, here's a development. I would go out and I would source a development in a prime location that's got a little tweak to it that makes it desirable for people. And I would negotiate with those developers to get 20s and 30% off of the recommended price. Is this a joke? <laughs> Don't worry, I'm going to shout. This, this is your last chance now. Testing one, two. So I, I, will go, I will go out and source properties for you that you can buy below market value. Now, you've got two choices. You can either use those for rentals or you can use them to simply give us them back and we'll sell them at the normal price. But I'll negotiate blocks at a time. So you could come to me and say, look, I've got X amount I want to invest. What have we got? I might get you two in Bulgaria, two in Spain, wherever it may be. Is there anybody here that might be interested in looking at those sort of investments? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Okay. I was hoping for a few more, but I'll, t I'll twist your arms yet. So I want to talk about these ones first of all. This is Bel Air Apartments. This is the ones that we took on in September and they're now released. We've had a good influx from the start. Bearing in mind, it's been the winter over there, although they've had a really mild winter. So the complex has not been open. They've been doing various bits to the pool and things like that. But these properties um, are incredible value for money. Luke's been over there with me to have a look. 
and they are starting from 48,000 euros. I've put today's rate, which is, I think was about 1.15 to the, the pound to the euro, or vice versa. Um, so 41,000 pounds for a one bedroom apartment. Literally, you walk across the road down to the left and across, and you're on the beach. So we're not talking about, you know, 500 metres further back from the coast. These are, are a good location. They are built to a very high standard. They have um, uh, video intercom system or video entry systems. They've got um, individual alarms in the property. Not that you leave them, uh, you need them, but a lot of people that, that buy over there do have them for themselves to use a lot of the time because they were cheap. So they want to have them uh, put an alarm on. They've got um, they've got air conditioning in them, etc., etc. Now, they are giving a gross return on investment of 12%. Now, I've worked that figure out very carefully. So I've not overinflated. I think I've done it for 18 weeks of the year based on figures that not that this property is achieving, because I know what that's achieving, what other similar properties around there are achieving. The reason I've done that is because I think it's fairer to compare it with other like properties rather than me just giving you figures that we know have got, okay? We're booking inspection trips for this. Now, we're only doing inspection trips really for the investors. So for people that want to go over and look for investment, we are booking inspection trips £250. They're starting mid-April, so I do need to know anybody that wants to go on them. Uh, it's £250 per person. If you reserve an apartment, you buy an apartment, you will get that refunded. Okay, It's purely there to cover your flights, your accommodation and all the transfers from the airports and showing you around and things you do. The inspection trips consists of collecting you from the airport, showing you the, uh, the area, most importantly, where you're going to be buying, the complex itself, of course, um, and anything else that you want to get covered whilst you're out there. might even take you for a bite to uh, buy a lunch, so you never know. Um, and this is a little video which we put together for... Uh, this particular area. This was all shot um, over there, and uh, thank you. Thank you.
that's enough for that. Thank you. Okay, so hopefully from that you can see that there's a, a lot going on. Now, our chap that put that video, of course, unfortunately he can't be with us this evening, but uh, Liam, who's our videographer, he put that together. He's very young. And when I asked him to put a, 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 a video together that shows what you can do in Sunny Beach, um, the last bit of it we had to change because it was more club scenes and more club scenes and more club scenes. So we toned it down a little bit. But uh, yeah, so anybody wants to talk about that, I'm over there at the end to, uh, to go through it. But good investments, cheap and cheerful. Dip your toe in the water if you've not um, done overseas investments before and uh, we'll hold your hand and be more than happy to help you. Now, this one is one from Spain, and I mean, this is, you know, I'm conscious you've been sitting there for an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes, so I am wrapping this up now, I promise you. Uh, this one's a detached villa in the Costa Blanca, uh, Guadalma de Segura, I think it is, in fact, or El Raso. Um, again, working the figures out, I only did it on 26 weeks, um, and that's working with a, a, a sister agent, I suppose you call them over there, um, and uh, we work very closely with them. Now this is a direct listing, um, estimated rent rental income of 16,000 euros, uh, based on 26 weeks. Return on investment, gross return on investment is 9.4%. Now we know that in Spain, if you're really clever or you market it well enough, you can get a lot more than 26 weeks out of your rental. So I've just purely taken a very small part of the year. Worst case scenario, go and use it yourself. Friends and family can go and use it. It certainly isn't costing you anything. Now, again, with this, there are mortgages available in Spain, subject to status. I think I have to throw that bit in. Now, they're interested in the mortgages in Spain. Even our mortgage advisors think they're interesting, don't they, Darmish? <laughs> so, they're offering at the moment, I think there's two banks that are offering 2.9% over the lifetime of the mortgage, up to 80 years of age. Now, how they're going to do that, I don't know, because it's a big gamble, but it's there, and it's two of them, I think, uh, Sabadell and Santander, I believe. So, massive opportunities there for people that want to have mortgages on property. You do have to meet the criteria. Gone are the days that I can just take you into a bank and say, this is my friend. He wants a mortgage for £200,000, please. And they go, absolutely, Glenn, we know you. There's the mortgage. Those days are gone. You have to qualify in the normal way. So that's it on, on the overseas side for now. Um, as I say, I'm over there to have a chat afterwards. I want to touch quickly on Love Wigston, Love Clarendon Park, Love Oadby. And I promise you we are getting near the end now. These are um, groups that we've set up now, we don't push property on there. It's not about property. It's not a property uh, site or anything like that. It's for you guys that are living in the area and local to the area to watch, learn, and find out what's going on in those areas. So I know Love Oadby was the first one which we started, which has been really engrossed in the area. We've got the Christmas tree put up in, in, at Christmas in the centre of Oadby, um, which the council didn't want to do. Um, so it's quite a powerful uh, group and, and we're doing it for you guys. We're doing it to make your areas and your lives within those areas better. We also promote local businesses. We, we In Clarendon Park, we've just uh, squashed the rumour or the myth that is now uh, Bar 106, uh, which is open for those people that don't know. Took over the old, was it Moo or something? 
Yeah, yeah the Moo Bar or something. But that's uh, that's a cocktail bar now, and we're all looking forward to sampling that one later on in the week. So, um, and Love Wigston, and I know we've got Rade, who's uh, one of the presenters of Love, Love Wigston, and uh, he's uh, going to the gym now and uh, filming in the gym. So anybody that wants a bit of a laugh, if you want to watch last uh, last month's episode on that, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. So if you've got a business um, not related to property, or uh, you know somebody's got a business within our areas, Stonygate, uh, Knighton, Clarendon Park, Wigston, Oadby, and you think they would benefit from getting a little feature, give us a shout, we'll be more than happy to go and have a, a chat with them and maybe do an interview. And, and help push them along within the local community, okay? So on that score, I'm finished, you'll be pleased to know. Um, I mean, the mic sort of said it all really, didn't they, when they started giving up one by one. The team are on hand, and there's quite a few of us. Um, I'm worried there's not enough of us, but there's quite a few of us on hand to help you and answer any questions you might have. Um, the rest of the guys around the room that I mentioned earlier on, you've got energy, you've got kitchens, whatever, solicitors, tax advisors, boilers, chimney sweeps, etc, etc. So I hope you found this useful. Um, I want to just tell you, because it is important, that... Um, sorry, I didn't mention Richard the Builder over there. Is that where you put your hand up, Greg? Sorry. There you go. Um, we are giving our date now for the next one, which is six months' time, on the 19th of September 2019. Sorry? Right. 19th of September 2019. And we may or may not still be in Europe, but it doesn't really matter. We'll still be here to uh, talk to you and hopefully keep you informed. Um, have you found it useful, guys? Yeah? Well, look, we thank you for coming. Uh, it means a lot. It takes a lot of putting on these things, and we appreciate your attendance. So feel free, um, if we need to get more coffee for you at the back, we will do. Luke, do you want to say anything? No, just thank you very much for everyone coming along and your patience with the delayed start. If you do have any questions, um, we'll be hanging around uh, for as long as it's needed. Um, if you've got to shoot off, um, please pop into one of the offices. Look me up on either LinkedIn, Leicester Property Blog, same for... Same for Glenn as well, um, and we're here to help. So thank you very much. Okay, thank you.